Hey, Connect Church, Pastor Derek here. I want to welcome you to church today. Whether you're online watching us at one of our platforms, YouTube, Facebook, or online platform, maybe locally, maybe domestically, maybe somewhere even around the world, thank you for being with us in church today. Those of you that are in person, hey, I hope that you guys are enjoying being together once again. I know I am. Listen, I'm kicking off a new series today, and it is really particular to our church because we're going to be talking about Connect Church core values. We have seven core values, and we're going to be addressing those over the next seven weeks. And so today, I'm going to be talking to you about the core value of church. Come on, everybody say church. Turn your neighbor, give them a little bit of attitude when you say, say, we're going to church. Now, Our motto for this is we are one big family. We are a family. Maybe we'll end the service with that song today. You know, I think that would kind of be fun. If you don't know that song, we need to lay hands on you. But anyway, uh, we're going to talk about church being one big spiritual family. So we're one church. We're becoming many locations. We have an online campus. We have a Framingham campus, soon to be Tri-County campus. Come on, somebody. I hope you're praying for that, whether you should be a part of that. Plant with them. Get alongside them. Talk to Pastor Devin or one of uh, his key team. But we're talking about the core value, none other than church. And what I mean when I say church is the value of spiritual family. Now, a core value, in a nutshell, it focuses our lives and it impacts our lifestyle. It focuses our life and it impacts our lifestyle. We need them desperately to be healthy as a local church and as individuals. Now, how does this happen or how do we make this come to be? Well, we have to understand from God's word how he sees church and then apply it uh, in turn to our life. So we're going to dive in, all right? A few opening thoughts. Now, this is these words right here that I'm going to read to you in a second, they're right on our website. I think this is important because as we unpack our value, we kind of stick with the program. But it says, This value is important in building a strong sense of family, a sense of family. That's like you can feel it. You know, you come into the room and our hope that if this core value embodies our church, you can sense a dynamic of family. People are together. People are mingling. People are lingering. People are connecting. But it's not uh, surfacy. It has a familial sense to it. Everyone belongs. Everyone has a place. Uh, we love diversity and we lean on each other in adversity. Uh, family is a safety net that oftentimes will outperform and outlast our biological families. And if you'll take a moment to talk to somebody within our church, uh, you'll probably eventually bump into somebody who'll give you a testimony and say, This is absolutely true. As I have become a part of this spiritual family, it has helped me more than I can even measure. Now, this won't happen, this this culture, this familial culture, unless we, we have this core value of church. And we have to commit to certain things in order for those to become realities. Proverbs 16, 3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, whatever you do, and your plans will, in fact, succeed. Hebrews tells us as it relates to gathering as a church, this is important for those of you who are online. I know some of you can't be here, but some of you can be here. The Bible instructs us to gather, to meet more and more, not less and less, not inconvenience, 
but in, in, in conference, in Congress, and in community with one another as the day, that's referring to the return of Christ, uh, draws near. Now, some of you know that your biggest regrets in life uh, could have been avoided if you had been in right relationships, right relationships. And I believe the church of Jesus Christ can cause you uh, to, to not only thrive, but it can protect you uh, from difficulties and tragedies in your life. Now, when I get into this message today, it's going to parallel um, things we see in the natural. When we're talking about this spiritual value of church, it's going to parallel things we see in the natural. For example, um, a lot of times when you come to Connect, this is true uh, of the young people, but uh, a lot of people call me, uh, you know, uh, Papa D, you know, I'm Pastor D, I'm PD, I'm Pastor Disaster, some of you guys, but, but there's a familial terminology because in a sense, it's not about chronology as much as it's about appointment but the pastor is the spiritual father, the mother, the, the, the pastor's wife, the spiritual mother. There's a voice of the father, and there's a voice. In fact, the mother's voice is often missing in the church, and we find it necessary and significant to have that female voice in the church in leadership. There's one head, but we co-lead the church as I've taught before. But this familial thing, there's brothers and sisters. And what unites us is our vision, our values, our beliefs, our bloodline. We have the same bloodline because of Jesus Christ. And through this family, great ministry transpires uh, to the world. People get to see uh, within the context of spiritual family, Jesus. You and I together are the physical representation of Jesus on the earth. We are the, the bride of Christ. We are his better half. Uh, we're really not, but we're becoming uh, his better half. He's the better half in this relationship. But we are the bride of Christ. We are, we are Jesus, I like to say, with skin on to the world. We're supposed to show the world what Jesus is like together with one another. Ephesians tells us it's through the church that the manifold wisdom of God is made known. And so it's our, it's our spiritual family, I call it the lab of life, where we work through things, talk through things, and, and if we can talk it out, we can work it out. And it makes us stronger. It makes us better. It, it brings uh, healing. It, it brings hope uh, to the world. And so all of this is to is what, is what uh, I described earlier. It brings this sense of family. So those things that I said, that's what's behind this sense of family that we have. And we want to see that within our services. And we want to see that in our teams, in our dream teams. We want to see that uh, in our small groups when we get together. I believe it should flow from the top down. So my wife and I and our leadership and our pastoral team and our, our, our leaders of leaders... Uh, it's really important that we represent this from the top. But how, how do we do it? How do we get this? When all these people are coming from different backgrounds, Pastor Derek, all these people have, uh, I like to call it, different dirt. <laughs> we all have like, you know, a, a past and, and certain experiences. Some of us are churched. Some of us have a bad church experience. Some of us have church experience, and that was your norm. But for us to be effective, for us to move forward, for us to uh, um, represent Christ to the world, we're going to have to have kind of a new norm together. 
And in order to be successful, in order to be influential, in order to be healthy uh, as a church. So we got to get on the same page. We have to be able to uh, have a similar, uh, not only belief system, but a similar way that we apply that belief system. So to start, this is in your notes, write this down. To start, whenever we say church, think church, we think family. We think family. Church is synonymous with family to us here at Connect. Next, number two, we believe that you can see this in God's word, but we believe God expects everybody to be a member of a church. God expects you to be a member of a church, a part of a local church. In fact, Ephesians 5.30 says, we are members of God's household. It's not, it's assumed in the scripture that you are a part of something, not that you would think about it, consider it, maybe it's an option. No, we are a member of God's household. Therefore, number three, a Christian without a spiritual family is like an orphan. And I'm going to unpack that in um, our message as we go forward. So our purpose, you know, as a church is made possible, not just because of our beliefs, but because of our values. And our values influence the way we practice our beliefs. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, He, I think, was dealing with some problems that he saw in the churches that he had planted. And he said this, let there be real harmony. Turn to your neighbor and say, real harmony, okay? We don't want any of that pseudo-harmony, pseudo-harmony. We don't want, uh, what did one person say? Uh, Pastor Sean Lovejoy called it the artificial uh, harmony. Uh, We don't want that. We want real harmony among you so there won't be any split in the church. See, a lot of times churches are falling apart, breaking apart, uh, breaking down, splitting. Some of you have been a part of the church uh, growing up and you probably heard of or been a part of a church split. Paul's going, here's why. He says, I plead with you to be of one mind, how? By being united in thought and purpose. Now, let me unpack this quickly. Purpose relates to the things we see in scripture that are mandatory, the mandates of God, the great commission, the great commandment, love God, love people. Those are mandates. And most evangelical churches easily unite around those. Evangelical is like an umbrella of a lot of denominations that subscribe to the Bible, Holy Writ, the scriptures, the word of God as a manual for living. That's not what breaks people down, though, most of the time, although sometimes. What breaks churches down and causes the splits and causes the fractures that we now call denominations, which by definition means divided names, which by um, uh, influence tells the world that we can't get along with ourselves. And, and so it's an unfortunate advertisement. That's why we are an interdenominational church, because we're not trying to add to the fractures of the body of Christ that exist anymore. You can call us non-denominational if you want, but I always have preferred interdenominational because as long as we unite on certain things, um, the majors, the essentials, uh, we can move forward. But Paul's saying you're not... You're not, you're not, you're, you're not going to be okay if you're not united just in purpose. You have to be united in thought and purpose. And what influences the, the way, the, the philosophy of ministry, the way you do ministry, 
are your core values. Your core values are crucial to culture. Culture, many occasions, trumps almost everything that's going on within the local church. And so the church or the family is where uh, we um, take people on a life-changing spiritual journey. But listen, the church or the family is how we take people on a life-changing spiritual journey. And so wherever you are, I want to move you, like I say, from the fringe, from frequent flyer into family. I want you to see the value, the core value of church. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer three questions. There are many others that could be posed, but I'm going to answer three questions uh, about the church. Number one, write this down. What is the church? What is the church? The church, according to Scripture, is a body. Everybody say body. The church is a body. And again, we're going to see this natural parallel over and over again in this message. Romans 12 says, For we have many members um, in one body, but all the members don't have the same function. So there are many members in a body, all don't have the same job description or role. So we, being many, are one in Christ. What unites us? Christ. And individually members of one another. So you can see this interconnected, um, you know, uh, relationship between you and you and you and you and you and you. We're all part of the body of Christ, yet we all have a different function. Each has a different part to play within the body of Christ and the plan of God. God says this is what church is like. He gives this picture of a body. It's a physical body. And it, not only is it a physical body, but you are a part of the body. Now, if you picked a part of the body, let's just say you're a, a toe, you're a fingernail. Let, let's do so. You're a finger, okay? Now, be careful which finger you pick. All right. Just saying. Okay. Uh, some of you are a finger. Some of you maybe are an elbow. God's saying, listen, church is a body. You're a part of that. If you're a finger in the body, but you are not connected to that body, what happens? What, 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 what are the results? Number one, pain. Lots of pain because you're a finger and you are disconnected from the body. There's a lot of pain. Number two, amputation. Okay? Uh, number three, you're part of the Adams family. <laughs> you're, you're just weird, okay? There's, 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 you get goofy uh, as a Christian. So for the, for the part to have uh, fulfillment, it, it has to be a part of the family. For the part to have fulfillment, it must be part of the family. So when people say, I don't do, I don't, I don't do church anymore, I, or, I, or I did church before, I've heard that before. Um, this, is, this is very common today. You're saying, uh, you're saying then you're a finger, but you don't do body? That, that doesn't make sense. Listen, you can't function without being a part of the body if this scripture is correct. I want you to think about it. Think about this. Related to bodies, three things underneath this point is healthy bodies grow. Here's what we need to know about the body. Healthy bodies grow. Even after I stop getting taller, even after, um, uh, you know, I stop filling out, so to speak. <laughs> I stopped getting taller, but I started getting wider, right? There's still other parts of me that are continuing to grow. Uh, you know, your, your skin continues to grow. Your blood continues to grow. Your hair, well, maybe not so much your hair in some cases, but, but for some people, your hair continues to grow. Uh, let's, let's go back. I like watching my grandkids grow. 
all right? They're healthy bodies, and they're growing so stinking fast. I was just with my grandson uh, just the last few days, and when my, when my grandson Hudson was born, he was born with an enormous head. Okay, we were concerned he'd be able to hold it up and he kind of, he'd almost like sway back and forth. We weren't sure, you know, if he was like filled with the Holy Ghost as a baby or he like loves Stevie Wonder. Like we weren't sure what was going on there. But eventually his body and his feet grew into his head as it were. And eventually, you know, his feet began to lead instead of his head lead him wherever uh, he went. He grew so fast. Here's another thing. Healthy bodies not only grow, but they mature. They mature. Uh, healthy bodies can't stay the same. They don't stay in the same emotional state uh, or, or physical state. Uh, again, children or, or, or grandchildren, as I like to say, it's amazing what can happen literally just in a couple of months. Uh, at one point, uh, you have to feed them everything, uh, and then eventually they can start to feed themselves. At one point, uh, all they want is milk and nothing else, and then in a short time later, they want to eat everything, including your food. At one point, they can't even sit up. Then they're pulling themselves up in, in the crib. At one point, all they got is gums. Then they got a pack of teeth, and there's just drool coming out of their mouth. Uh, they, they eventually get to the point where they mature, and they tell you, I don't want this, and I do want want that and that's every parent's dream because now they're mature enough to differentiate what they don't want and you can turn around and tell them well that's what you're getting son that's what you're getting you're going to eat that I don't care if you die no you don't say that but you think that but anyway healthy bodies grow healthy bodies mature and here's my favorite sub point under this first point and that healthy bodies are unique there are no two bodies, this is an amazing reality, no two bodies that are the same. I've had uh, different uh, relationships, friendships, known people who are identical twins, and yet they are still unique. They have unique passions, unique giftings, unique propensities, uh, unique personalities. Even though they were born in the same womb, womb, only minutes apart, they could still be so different. Healthy, every healthy body is a unique gift from God, given uniqueness from God. But if you are disconnected from the body, uh, you will not grow. If you are if you are disconnected from the body, you will not mature. If you are disconnected from the body, you will not discover your uniqueness. And people say, well, I'm a Christian, you know, and I don't do church. God knows my heart. God knows my heart. You know what that really means? That really means that um, you're going to get into heaven Okay, but you're going to be an undergrown, immature person who has never discovered their uniqueness and its influence and impact on the world today. It will be as if you crawled into heaven as an adult with a diaper on. See, that's what happens when bodies don't grow. And bodies can't grow if they're not connected. Now, now you say, well, I don't, I don't believe that. Well, salvation is found in Christ. Listen, but growth is found in the body of Christ. Salvation is found in Christ, but growth is found in the body. Don't you want to grow? I think there's something inside of us that wants to grow, that wants to change, that wants to mature, that wants to discover uh, what's their mark to be made on the world. The Bible is telling you it's wrapped up in the body of Jesus Christ. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish, flourish 
Come on, somebody, flourish in the courts of our God. It doesn't say those who attend church. It says those who are planted. It doesn't say those who are members. I don't care if you're a member. Are you planted Are you planted in a spiritual family? Because you won't grow, you won't mature, and you won't discover your purpose. Are you? Can I ask you that wherever you are? Are you planted? Maybe It doesn't have to be a connect. For the love of God, plant somewhere. If you don't feel like it's here, I don't know what you're doing here watching me right now. But if you are, you need to get planted. I promise you, give us a year of your life, all in, all out. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't work out, let me tell you something, I'll leave this church. I'll go to the other church that you decide to go to. It will be better for you and you will begin to flourish if you'll give it your all. And, 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 and being planted, what do you mean by that, Pastor D? Planted, it, it basically means it's like you just You're not going to move. It doesn't matter what happens, what comes at you, the elements, the the winds, the torrent, the temptations, the difficulties, the tests, the relational problems, the conflict, whatever's happening. You just, you're planted. You don't move. You're rooted. Do you know what's more important than fruits? Your roots So you're so, sometimes we're so preoccupied, I got to be fruitful. You need to be rooted before you can be fruitful in this life. Are you planted? I hope that is sticking with somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, get planted, get planted. Come on, turn to your second choice. They're the ones who really need it. Say, get planted. (laughs) See, I've heard people say, I couldn't leave this church because I'm in three different small groups. I couldn't leave this church because... You know, the the team that I'm serving on, you know, they wouldn't let that happen. My best friends are here. When I miss church, five people call me. That's what it looks like to be planted. I'm known when I'm planted. I'm challenged. uh, Do you have any place where you're challenged? Do you go to a church where you're challenged to grow? Where you hear a a provoking word like this? Uh, I'm known. I'm challenged. I'm loved. That's what it means to be planted. And you know what happens, by the way, in church? Because I'm getting worked up on this, and I've taught this before. But in church, when you're planted is when God starts pruning. Uh, I can say it like this. In church, when you're in, you're planted, you're rooted, God does some surgery on you. See, a lot of times we think we need to go to some kind of retreat. We got to go on some kind of program. We got to get, we got to go deep dive somewhere else. No, if you just get rooted and you get planted in the local church, God's going to do surgery. What do I mean by that? He's going to deal with it. What is it? It is that thing, that, that cancer of the soul that is keeping you from ultimate fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And it's in family that it can be dealt with. And God wants to put you, as it were, on like a surgical table in the house of the Lord. And, and listen, when you go into surgery in the natural, let's stay with the natural parallels, uh, you, might, you might have to be cut open. What happens when that? You got to be knocked out. Because if you saw what they were going to do to you, you would run. What keeps us uh, from running when God wants to do surgery on it? Cutting out the unforgiveness. Cutting out the bitterness. Cutting out the bondage and the addictions. Cutting out the thing. Just the other day I was talking to a girl I love very much. She's one of our interns and I was speaking with her and I asked her a question. And it was just one of those questions, it caused it to surface. It was that thing that God wants to deal with. And, and 
And that's what God wants to do with some of you. God wants to identify that thing. But God is going to deal with that thing with her and some of you. And I'll tell you why. Because she's not just on the surgical table by herself as the doctor, as the Holy Spirit goes in there. No, she's been strapped down in relationships. See, her friends are around her. There are people around that are in essence holding her. Remember in the old days when they would strap you down? They might put a piece of wood in your mouth and throw on some whiskey, you know, before a shot of whiskey before something painful is getting ready to happen. It's going to hurt a little bit, brother. This is going to hurt, but we're here for you. We're here for you. Here, bite down on this. And they strap that person out. Why? Because they know they couldn't survive it. But see, sometimes surgery is painful, but it's not, it's not to hurt you. It's to keep you from hurting yourself anymore. God wants to do surgery in some people, but I want to make sure that you are strapped down in relationships with other people so you can receive what God has for you so he can deal with it. Amen. Number two, who is the head of the church? Who is the head of the church? Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Why would I trust pastor surgery, by the way, to, to someone um, that, it, it, just a human being, a pastor like you. Why would, I, why would I trust to open myself up to somebody like that? Here's why. Because there, God uses broken people. God uses broken vessels. But he's still the head. He's still large and in charge. I want you to know something. Jesus is the head of Connect Church. Can I have an amen out there? there he is ultimately in control of this local church. Check this out. Colossians 1.16 says, He was before all else began, and it is his power that holds everything everything together. Can I tell you how refreshing it is that I don't have to hold everything all together, that he holds all things together? Can I tell you how refreshing it is that I don't have to impress you with my capacity, my abilities, my gifts, my skill? Thank you, Jesus. It doesn't have to be based on me because I'm not holding all of this together. So if you're stressed out, I just want to say chill out. Chill out because, because even when life is out of control, Jesus is still in control. It might look like everything's OOC, but everything can be all right with me because of Jesus. Jesus is the head. It says, it continues in verse 18, it says, He is the head of the body made up by his people. That is his church, which he began, and he is the leader of all those who arise from the dead, so that he is first in everything. Ephesians 1, this is powerful. It says, and God has put all things under his feet. He's under my feet. Remember that song when we talked about Satan being under my feet? Anyway, some of you know what that is. And God has put all things under his feet and made him the supreme head of the church. Talking about Jesus, which is his body filled with himself, the author and giver of everything everywhere. It's amazing. He's the head of the church. But, but what happens what happens in the head? Like, what happens all up there? Well, think about the natural, okay? Everything that is important, except the, except the heart part, happens in and through the head. The head sends information to other parts of the body. Uh, the head sees uh, what's going on and gives guidance to all the other parts of the body and, and directs movement. The head hears uh, kind of what is happening, whether it's good, what's coming in is good, or whether what good, or whether, whether what's coming in is bad. Uh, the head is the only place where we receive natural nourishment at the head. So you can stick an IV into me to nourish me, but that is outside nourishment. The only natural way we receive is through, is through the mouth. Everything we need 
um, to build us up for life and godliness, according to scripture, is found in the head. And so you're not putting faith in man, you're putting faith in Jesus, who is the head of the church. He's still on the throne. He's still showing up every service. Uh, He's still leading and guiding. He's still sending information to his servants. He still sees what's coming up and what's going on. He's He's still listening to your prayers and to your petitions, and he is still speaking out of his mouth, rhema words, to the world that's around us. And so when life seems out of control, just remember, uh, Jesus is the head. Well, Pastor D, if life is so good, if, 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 if God is so good, then why does he allow sinful man to be in leadership positions like yours or other people in the church uh, to continue to lead? Why does he allow manipulation? Why does he allow uh, abuses? Why does he allow uh, these, these authoritarian type environments uh, to exist if he's the head? Come on. Why does he allow such foolishness and sometimes even evil? Well, I understand there's some crazy stuff, and I can't address that. We'd have to do a whole message on all those crazy things and how to overcome them. But I want to tell you something. Are all those things you've seen a reason to give up on the church, God's plan A, the hope of the world? What if God, what if God did that with us? What if God, what if God just cut us off, you know, when we uh, failed or when we when we fell, thank God, thank God he's not like me and he's not like some of you. What, 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 would, it, what would happen if you sat down with a doctor and there was a problem in your body and, 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 and the first prescription with the pain that's in your arm, he said is, ah, we're going to have to cut it off. We're going to have to amputate because that problem that you have in your arm, yeah, we don't want to have anything to do with that anymore. We're going to have to just cut that thing off. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, um, I need a second opinion. <laughs> Doc, I, you know, I got a pain in my leg. I have this pain in my quadricep. For all you ladies, that's, there's four muscles right there in your leg. Okay. But I got this pain in my quadricep. I don't know what I'm going to do. Every time I walk, I, it's some old sports injury. You know, what should I do about it? Oh, yeah, we're going to have to amputate. What? We would think that's insane if that would happen. Like, can't we just work something out? Can't we just like have some conditioning? Is there any like parallel? Is there any discipleship that I can go through? Is there a process? Maybe where I can get this back on track. We found cancer in your pinky toe. We're going to have to amputate. We're going to have to cut. Thank God we don't live in that world. You guys are getting the point. God's not like that. God's like, I see a problem. I see an injury. I see a hurt. I see a habit, a hang-up of soul. I see cancer in your soul. I see that torn relationship. I see that breakdown that you have in your life. And guess what? I'm a healer. And let me see what I can do with it. But what I'm going to do with it is going to be done amongst the people, amongst the brethren, amongst the family of God. We're going to do it together at the same time. Can I have an amen out there? God is basically saying you'll do better if you're connected. You'll get healed faster if you're connected. You'll get over this if you're connected. Number three, write this down. Third question that we're going to answer is this. First of all, we talked about the body. We talked about who's in charge. And now we're talking about how are we organized. Is organized religion bad? So when we talk about the church as a core value, you need to understand the church has to be organized. So here's the answer. No, it's not bad. The body is organized, so the church must be organized too. 
See, I'm not a doctor. I'm definitely not a nurse. And I learned, though, that there are different systems in the body. I don't know if you know how many there are, but I did a little research, and there's 12 systems. I'm not going to do all 12 systems, but I'm going to highlight a few and make a correlation between what we see in church today. In, in the body, there's a skeletal system. This, this part of our, this system supports movement, but it is more a protective um, part of us for our organs. It protects us. It, it holds us up. It, it keeps everything kind of from falling apart, as it were. It's, it's unseen because it's kind of ugly or, you know, in a sense, but without it, everything would fall apart. Uh, the skeletal system in the church is governance or government. Uh, people don't usually know a lot about it. People don't see it that often, but it is so critical that it's there. As a pastor of pastors, that's one of the things I often say is it only matters when it matters, and then it really matters. Do you have good government? Do you have a body of decision makers? Do you have predetermined bylaws that help you in certain situations that put boundaries and kind of a hedge of protection to your financial decisions? And so it, it, the skeletal system is critical. A nervous system, okay? A nervous system. This is not referring to a paranoid system. The nervous system sends information to the muscles for physical action. The nervous system is sending information to all the different muscles in the body. And so there has to be like effective communication. How do we do this? How do we do, how do, we do that? How, what are the systems of communication? The muscular system enables movement. In other words, the skeletal system holds things up, but the muscular system makes that skeleton move. Otherwise, you would just be stuck and you would just be stationary. It helps you stand upright, but it helps you get going to wherever you need to get going. And so we have to have empowering systems that just don't have people sitting on their blessed assurance in the chairs, but gets people up out of their seat into significance. What is it that God's called them to do? And so we create processes that empower people to be able to fulfill what God's called them to do. We help people be uh, know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference. We have, there's our system right there, the muscular system. The digestive system, it's a mechanical, uh, chemical process that provides nutrients to the different parts of the body, but more, more than anything, it disposes of waste. Like, how do we deal with the toxins in the body? It's through the digestive system. Now, in the church, we deal with toxins in the body through, uh, through fasting and prayer, uh, through freedom uh, uh, conferences. We do this uh, a lot of times through counseling and ministry because there's this tendency where we can, we leak vision, and we need to be able to stay strong. And a lot of times the world is toxifying us, and we need other systems to be healthy. See, all these things require organization for that to happen. God is saying the church is like a body, and the body is one of the most organized infrastructures in the universe, and God has done the same thing in the body of Christ, if we would embrace it. But a lot of people say, I don't do organized religion. Listen, you don't do disorganized body. I don't do organized religion. Well, listen, so, so why, why would you do a disorganized church? See, there's safety. I want you to see this. There's safety in organization. There's healing. There's progress in organization. So at Connect, we work hard to be organized, to be organized. Now, I know there's sometimes there are some, there's some, 
people out there, you might go to a doctor, for example, and, 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 and maybe you're pregnant with a baby, and, and they do like an ultrasound on you, and they start scanning, and then they look, and then all of a sudden a doctor, sometimes they don't have the best bedside manner. Sometimes they can be bad in what they say, and they're like, oh, I don't know what that is. And you're like, whoa, what? What? What do you say? So, yeah, that's, that's not supposed to be there. <laughs> you're like a new parent. You're like, oh, my gosh, what is he saying? And he's like, okay, well, anyway, uh, why don't you come back and see me in about eight weeks? You're like, what? What did you just see? Well, you know, there was, a, there was an organ. It's not supposed to be there. It's kind of supposed to be over here right now. And we'll just see what happens. Come back in eight weeks. It's crazy when they do that. But what are they doing? They're trying to make sure that the, bo- the body is being formed right. God wants the body of Christ to be formed right as well. He wants to make sure it's put together in an organized manner. Why? Because healthy things grow. And there's health in, in organization. And there's healing there too. But the problem is, this is my experience speaking now, sometimes some people get scared of organized religion. They get scared of organization let's just say. We get scared because we don't understand. We don't comprehend. We get scared when there's authority. We get scared when there's roles and responsibilities. We get scared when there's different positions uh, there. We get scared uh, how things maybe are done. And, 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 And that's, God has set these things in place on purpose. Look what it says in Ephesians 4. As I begin to wrap things up, it says, And he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Everybody says some. So that means it's not everybody. It's just some. So there's some key leaders. This is God organizing the church by having different five-fold offices that help the church stay healthy. Why would he do that? Verse 12, it says, Why is that he gives us these special abilities? Uh, God answers the question before we even ask. He says, why does he give us these special abilities to do certain things best? It is that God's people will be equipped to do better work for him, building up the church. So God gave these gifts so the church could be equipped and, 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 and in the body, the church of the body um, of Christ, to a position of strength and maturity until finally, everybody say finally, That's what we're probably thinking about this message. Finally, we all believe alike about our salvation and about our Savior, God's Son, and all become fully grown in the Lord. We're no longer wobbling with big heads. Our bodies have grown into our head like Hudson. Our feet have grown in. We're full-grown followers of Jesus Christ to the point of being filled full with Christ, it says. See, we can't just care about our own growth, but not our growth within the body or growth of the body according to this text. Do you know actually what happens if you grow as a part of the body outside of the body? I don't even know how to explain this exactly, but if you're growing outside of the body, you say, no, me and God, we're good. I'm growing. I've had a great year. You're not even a part of a church. You're not in any way connected to a local body. It's been a great year. I've grown a ton. No, 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 no. I I, want to challenge you. No, that's not growing. That's a growth. You're not growing. It's more of a growth. And a growth is gross. Okay, I know that's strong. But God wants you to grow with others. That's healthy growth. Read that scripture, Ephesians 4, for your own edification. So if you're a Christian, within the sound of my voice, and you are not plugged into a local church, you need to get all in. Make this part of 2021 forward a season in your life where you are planted, where you are rooted, where you got your feet 
just grounded into a local church. It's so so critical that you do, that you come to believe alike with others, as it says in Ephesians, and become full grown, fully grown, mature Christians. And in order for that to happen, you've got to be totally connected. Look what the incentive is in Psalm 133. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, it says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is when brethren, sistren, family will say, um, dwell together. Everybody say together. In unity. Everybody say unity. We dwell together in unity as a family. Here's what happens. For there, where? Everybody say there. Where? There. Where there the Lord himself commands a blessing, life forevermore. See, what happens is when we, when we um, practice this core value of church, this, we become a spiritual family. God, at that point, at that place, there, God commands a blessing. He commands a blessing on the whole church, and the church begins to thrive and because it's fully alive. God doesn't bless isolation. God doesn't bless independence. God doesn't bless uh, uh, amputation. Okay, he doesn't do that. Growth doesn't come uh, by yourself. Progress doesn't come on your own. You can't do things alone. And so if you are disconnected today, within the sound of my voice, I've got good news for you. Maybe you were um, pushed away by the church. Maybe you pulled away from the church. Maybe you were cut away by the church. I want you to know that's not going to be the case here at Connect. Listen, I want to call you out. I want to call you into, I want to invite you into my family, Connect Church. I have with great affection and with great pride, um, you know, a love for my church. I love what God has done in our church, and I want you to be a part. If you don't have a home, I want you to be a part of our family. And if you are a part that came apart, you're, you're a finger or you're an arm or whatever your uniqueness is. You know what? We want to, it's like, it's like when something happens like that, if there's, a, if there's an accident or injury, they put it on ice. They put it on ice. They get a helicopter if they can, and they fly it as fast as they can to the hospital to connect it as quickly as possible to the body. In the name of Jesus, I'm just asking that somehow through my words, those of you that have been apart, those of you who have come apart, those of you who were pulled apart, pushed away, whatever happened, I'm just putting you on ice of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would heal that part of their life in Jesus' name, that you would pull them into the fold, pull them into the family, that they would be grafted as it were, knit again into, woven into the family of God. May they find fulfillment in the family, in the house of the Lord as they plant. Now listen, sir, man, boy, or girl, you make the decision to plant and then flourishing will follow in Jesus' name. I believe that I still believe that the church, the body of Christ, is still the hope of the world. I believe Jesus is the head of the church. I believe in an organized church, and we're going to do our best to make that happen here at Connect. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're not connected. That's our passion at Connect Church, is to help people connect to Jesus and help people connect to their purpose within a family. And if you've never made Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you right now. 
He's probably been tapping on your heart through this entire message. There's something that's been going on inside of you. I want to make that connection right now. And you can do that by what you say with your mouth, not just what you're believing in your heart. Those two things, when they come together, ignite something on the inside of you that can change you, not just now, in the here and now, but it changes your eternity. Your final destination can be secured in heaven if you will but confess Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And so if that's you, just say this with me. Say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my life freely. I know and I believe that you gave your life freely for me. I receive grace, undeserved, unmerited favor. I've done a lot of things wrong. I've gone my own way. I've been living a lie. I've been living alone. I've been living in isolation. But today I join with Jesus first. And today I also join with his church. Now, Father, for every person who prayed that prayer, I pray that you seal that until the day of redemption. Lord, on that glorious day when you call us home, they'll go with you. They'll go up in to the sky. They'll go up and they'll meet God in the sweet by and by. They'll be with him forever because they have said yes to Jesus today. And all the church said amen and amen. Come on, can everywhere at all locations, online, everywhere, can we give God a big hand clap? Can we rejoice for the decisions that have been made, not only to join Jesus, but to get planted in his church because this is our core value. If you just made that decision, I want you to make sure that you text CC saved to 97,000. We want to send you a book to help you on your spiritual journey. If you're at one of our physical locations, please come down front if you need prayer. We don't want anybody to go home who hasn't received prayer in a personal way. Make sure you tell somebody the decision you made at the physical location. Put it on a connection card. Tell somebody in a prayer line because we want to help you on your next steps. Listen, it has been my honor and pleasure to be with you this morning. I can't wait to see you at a location nearby in person or again online next week. God bless you.